0: All right, we're going to start out some, with some questions this morning. I like to ask questions, okay? How many of you, you can show your hand. You don't have to show your hand. This is more of an internal reflection question. How many of you remember giving your life to Jesus? Got a couple of emphatic wow How many of you remember making that decision, I'm going to... Follow him not just believe in him but i'm gonna follow him i'm gonna do what he says maybe in the same moment may have been different moments for me those moments were separated by 20 plus years <laughs> i always believed in him but i didn't start to do what he said so here's the next question was everything easy after that you mean things didn't just start falling into place thank you everything was rainbows and butterflies right Didn't you instantly receive all those blessings that God's Word promised you? Or did things get harder? Okay. How many of you remember getting baptized? (laughs) Plural baptized. How many of you remember getting baptized? Learning about your spiritual gifts? Receiving your prayer language? You know those big things, those big things that come with following Jesus? Those big moments. How many, was it easy after that? Did everything just start to fall into place? Did you get all those blessings God promised immediately? Some. Thank you, I got a sum. Yes, some good things. Or did things get harder? What'd you say? <laughs> The enemy came in like a flood. Ooh, she's saw into this concept today. So I've got a concern. I've got a concern for church. We preach the gospel. We tell the good news about Jesus, his salvation, his healing power, his deliverance power. And it's a sales pitch for a better life, right? It's a sales pitch for not burning in hell, right? It's a sales pitch for a better future, a better legacy, and guess what? It is all those things, okay? Just to be clear, so no one gets misconstrued, it is every one of those things. But we don't spend time warning about the trials, the tough times, the tests, the temptations, the tough things that come when you make these decisions. See, people give their life to Christ, and then the next day, they lose their job. Or they, they go home that night, and they fight with their spouse. They're like, wait a second, I gave my life to Christ, I thought this was supposed to be a great day all day. And then my child did something they weren't supposed to do or whatever. You're with me. I could go on and on, right? So I got some good news for you today. Jesus showed us an example, and I think we gloss over it sometimes. It's like Don just said. We read these scriptures and we're too familiar with them. We're too familiar with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And sometimes we read these scriptures and we gloss over what Jesus does, says, and we may have missed the point that Jesus Christ, your Savior, faced the exact same things as you. Big thing happened in his life, then bad things happen. Okay? Just bear with me. I'm not saying to just wake up and expect bad things all the time, but we have to be real about what this life is going to bring. So I mentioned something a few weeks ago about the three temptations that Jesus experienced after he got baptized and then last week I mentioned before we did testimonies and thank all of you who got up here and gave a testimony that was awesome but I mentioned that Jesus was baptized so a good thing then immediately he was tempted then immediately he was rejected but the thing is since then God has just been stirring that there's more there to dig into so we've been reading through the look of book of Luke I can't get my words right today we have been reading through the book of Luke this week our past couple of weeks in our scripture reading. And I'm going to share with you today what's been stirring. So we start off in Luke chapter two. So if you guys have got your Bible, you've got your little Bible on your phone. I'm going to say something about Bibles on our phones. I've always been a Bible like read the actual Bible person and I realized something this week. Most Bible on your phone apps don't have red letters. And that's important because sometimes we need to know these are the words of Jesus speaking, okay? That's just a little plug for actually getting a physical Bible into your hand. All right, so we start off in Luke 2 with the birth of Jesus. This is a good time, right? They're expecting a Savior. The Savior is born. But then Jesus does not appear again until he's 12 years old. That's when his mom and dad lose him. I referenced that a couple weeks ago. Then the next time he appears, he's approximately 30 years old getting baptized by John. So scripture is a little vague about how much Jesus knew about his destiny or who he was up until that point. I didn't say it doesn't tell us anything, but it's a little vague. Did Jesus, like, did he understand that he was the son of God at age 12, 13, 14, 2? I mean, can you imagine Jesus the toddler running around? Did he steal other kids' toys? (laughs) did he get mad when someone took his? I mean that would be kind of cool to see, right? But we do have some insight because when his parents lost him in Luke chapter 2, so again he's 12 years old, he's born, we don't see him again until he's 12. They found him in the temple and he's talking to religious leaders and it said people were amazed at his answers and how much he knew and in verse 49 his parents are like, "Where where did you go, Jesus? We lost the savior of the world." And Jesus says, but why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? So I have some vague reference that Jesus must have known at age 12 he was special. Okay? But again, we don't have a lot of details. So then we jump to Luke Luke chapter 3, verse 21. It says, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened. See, I think this was his big moment. And the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. So we may not have known, or he may not have known before that moment exactly who he was, what his purpose was, what his destiny was. But can we agree that something special happened in that moment? Can we agree? Okay, heaven's open. Holy Spirit descends in bodily form. That means you can see it. The voice of Almighty God says, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. Wouldn't you think this is an incredible moment in Jesus Christ's life? Huge moment. Then chapter 4 happens. Chapter 4, verse 1. So remember, Jesus has this big moment. It says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, not partially, not a little bit of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. That's where he was baptized. Listen to this. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. It doesn't say the devil came after him. It says he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where Satan was tempted him jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry did you did you hear what it just said satan was waiting on that big moment for jesus and then the holy spirit led jesus to the temptation that may rock your world a little bit But Wendy said something. I wasn't here for all of it, but she said something about sometimes we have to be tested before God trusts us with what he has for us. Okay? So maybe when those big moments happen in our lives, God leads us to a place that we can be tested to make sure we made the right decision. Did we make a decision for him or did we make a decision because it was an emotional thing? I got goosebumps during worship, so I must be feeling Jesus, right? So I'm going to give my life to Christ because it's an emotional thing. Or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my husband, my wife its pressuring me to give my life to Jesus. Or my parents. Anybody been there? I'm going to make my parents proud. My parents never really pressured me, but I wanted to make them proud at 13 or whatever it was by going and giving my life to Jesus. Did I do it for the right reasons? I don't know. So sometimes there's pastors and parents and friends, and maybe God wants to know if that moment was real for me or for you. Now it says he ate nothing for 40 days. How many of you have ever gone 40 days without food? Nobody? Y'all are a bunch of wimps. Nobody's gone 40 days without food. How many of you gone 10 days without food? How many of you gone one day without food? How much fun was it? Yeah, I I told you guys my story of, you know, puking water because I had nothing but water for one day, trying to be big and bold and fasting for God. I'm not going to eat anything for three days, and I thought I was dying nine hours into it on day one. (laughs) Spitting up water because I smelled Taco Bell. (laughs) Okay? Sorry for that visual. But Jesus ate nothing for 40 days i want you to hang on to that if you've done it for one day you know how bad it feels how bad would it feel for 40 days you think you just get numb to it probably not most of us can't go most of some of you are sitting here right now a little squeamish and whining because i'm going to talk for a little while and you're waiting on me to go eat lunch right since he was led by the holy spirit to be tempted no food for 40 days and sh- satan 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 shows up with the first temptation. It's Luke chapter 4, verse 3. Then the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Satan's first temptation, his first temptation to Jesus Christ was to satisfy the need in Jesus' body. You're hungry, Jesus. I know you're hungry. You haven't eaten in 40 days. Why don't, if, if, if you are the son of God, why don't you turn that stone into a loaf of bread? Because then you'll show me your power and you can quench that hurt. Jesus didn't say, I need to prove to you I'm the son of God. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to quench that hunger. Jesus said, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Jesus rebuked him with scripture. Now I want I want you to pay attention to something here. This year, we've talked about blueprints, right? We went through the whole Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, get away from me. You call me Lord, Lord, but you don't know, I don't know you. Jesus didn't know the people. So we spent literally like five months going through the Sermon on the Mount to make sure that you understand what Jesus expects of you so that you will be known by him. And it was a blueprint. We get another blueprint here. Today, we're going to get two blueprints. One is Satan's blueprint, and one is Jesus' blueprint. Okay? And I want to be careful because when I'm doing counseling, a lot of times I'll ask people if I ask you to change the oil in my car and I gave you written instructions versus a YouTube video, which would you pick? Every time. Come on, be honest. YouTube, every time, right? We live in that generation where we want to see it and watch it. We don't want to read it and try to comprehend it and understand it. So i got a challenge for you today. I'm giving you a blueprint that you got to go read and understand. I'm not going to put a movie up here that shows it for you. The beauty is if you read this correctly, you see the movie in your head. Okay? So we got two blueprints I want you to pick up on, and I'm going to try to detail them the best I can. Satan's blueprint, Jesus' blueprint. We'll come back to that. Second temptation, verse 5. Then the devil took him up, so he's tempted his body. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. This is Satan talking. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. A couple of things here. I mentioned this two weeks ago. First of all, this would have been a great time for Jesus to say, no, those kingdoms are not yours to give. But he didn't. So Satan claims these are mine to give all these kingdoms. I have the authority over them. We have to realize that this world belongs to Satan. I didn't say God didn't have power over this world. I want you to hear me clearly. Satan has this world. It's his. That's why we were so tempted by it. That's also why Jesus showed up on the scene in Matthew 5 and said, do everything the opposite of the world because that's Satan's territory. Jesus didn't say, no, 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 no. It's not your territory. Quit lying. He said, I'm not going to worship you because Scripture says, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So first, Satan offers something to satisfy Jesus' flesh, his body, his desires, his hurts, his physical hurts. Then, second, he shows up and offers him something worldly. Here's power, fame, success, money. If you got all these kingdoms, you got all their gold. You got authority, Jesus. You can have it all if you just serve me. Jesus rebuked him both times with scripture. Third temptation, verse 9. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Satan just quoted Psalms 91. and That ought to scare you to death to think that your adversary knows Scripture when maybe we don't. I don't mean like a bad scare, like a fear. I'm saying like a motivation to learn. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. So Satan quoted Psalms 91. Psalms 91 is a scripture designed for spiritual warfare against Satan, and he quoted it. And he didn't twist the words, he twisted the use. He perverted the meaning of Psalm 91. He just said a little section, but he took the Scripture meant to go against him and threw it out there for Jesus because what was he trying to do? First, he tempted the body, the the needs of the body. Second, he tempted your desires to have something in the world, fame, position. Third, if your God is who he says he is, think about it. Now I'm going to test your daddy. I'm going to test the faith of you, Jesus. I'm going to test... Will you go do this stupid thing to test Scripture? It's a spiritual attack now. It's all a spiritual attack, but he's really going hardcore spiritual. What does Jesus do? He rebukes with Scripture. Verse 13, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. It doesn't say he completely gave up tempting Jesus. It says he left keyword until the next opportunity came. So Satan's just laid out his blueprint of what he's going to do to us. There's more, by the way. He's going to tempt your physical desires, he's going to tempt your worldly desires, he's going to tempt your faith in your Father and your faith in Scripture. And there's a little bit of a promise here that he will be back around. when the opportunity arises, right? Satan, body, flesh, worldly power, fame, position, heavenly. Test your daddy, test your scripture, test the word. Fourth, repeat at next convenience. Okay, that's the blueprint so far. Jesus, rebuke with scripture, rebuke with scripture, Rebuke with Scripture, and rebuke with Scripture when Satan shows up again. Which one's easy to remember? <laughs> Here's the thing. There's your YouTube video because Jesus showed you what it was going to look like. He showed you. He's the Son of God. He didn't have to go through all that. But we get all high and mighty, give our life to Jesus, and wonder why God would allow us to be tempted. Maybe because Jesus went through it before he started his ministry. We've got to see that the same game plan will be used against us, and we've got to have the same game plan Jesus had. Okay? Satan's going to tempt you. He's going to attack you. He's going to entice you with things that will satisfy your physical body needs. Let's talk about today. No little kids in here, right? What's the first thing Satan's going to do? He's going to tempt your body with the physical need of sex, pornography, cheating, whatever. Man, I need that fulfillment. You tell me there's a person in this room that hasn't dealt with that temptation. Physical body. Alcohol. Man, I got problems. If I just drink this, I'll drink them away. Man, I forgot about that part where I create all these new ones when I do that. Pills, drugs. Maybe it's a temptation of anger because you're tired. Remember how Jesus was tired? Do you imagine he'd be tired after 40 days of eating nothing? I'm tired right now because I danced all morning back there. And what happens when we get tired jacob said it we get hangry there's a reason there's a term there we're tired we're hungry we lash out so maybe that's the temptation maybe satan puts someone you love right in front of you and you lash out at them because you've lost your patience i could go on and on and on and on about bodily temptations right but you, you get it anybody ever been tempted body temptation got it everybody good can we move forward anybody got a question okay And if you fail, he doesn't really have to move on to step two because I can give you a whole testimony, and many of you have heard it, where a lot of those things I just mentioned was all Satan needed to do to me (laughs) to keep me from fulfilling my purpose. But if he needs to move on to step number two, he will. Worldly desires. How many of you were taught, I need to work hard in this entry-level position to try to get to a manager? I need to work hard there to try to get to the vice president or whatever. I need to work really hard in school to get this degree so I can go into this position with more money. And if I can get my master's degree, then I can get that promotion. If I get my doctorate degree, then I can get this. Or if I can go to medical school, I can do this and make all this money. What is it? Worldly, 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 worldly desires. And don't you think I'm a hypocrite because I fell for them for a long time. Make a name for yourself. Don't you want a name for yourself in the world? That's the temptation we all feel. Why can't I have a church as big as Joel Osteen's? It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke, I promise. But that's the temptation. <laughs> First time I've lost Lonnie in three years. <laughs> Hey, he was referenced in that video I was watching last night about not speaking truth. So we'll, we'll, my point is, think about it. The temptations, the temptations for many, many pastors are numbers mean something. Hold tight because Jesus is going to address that here in a minute. But the temptation for, man, I got to get this much more so I can get this much more money so I can have this much more stuff. But I'm good because I didn't fall to the temptation of pornography, sex, drugs, alcohol. So we think we're doing good because we squashed those temptations, not realizing we just moved to the next level. Okay? But you sustain number one and two and don't cave, and he'll attack your faith. Try to make you doubt. He'll attack your heavenly position with the Lord. I heard something, you know, most of us are aware that there are two theories of creation. One is that it happened in literally six days. And on the seventh day, God rested. And a lot of the things that we call millions of years old, like the Grand Canyon, were carved when the flood happened. Okay, that's one theory. Here's the other theory. The other theory is Big Bang. Evolution. Okay? Okay. So I'm a Christian, and I say, you know what? It just doesn't make sense to me that it could have happened in six days. There had to be this big bang thing happen. What just happened? Satan has tempted me to discredit the first book of the Bible. And you tell me that it's not a problem. This is being taught in our schools because it makes you doubt. It makes you doubt what you read. And that should infuriate you. Yeah, Parker just said it. If you think the first book's wrong, why would you listen to the rest of it? If you want to talk about creation versus evolution, I'll be free after the service. I'll be happy. I was caught in the middle. As a Christian. My point is, Satan will attack you to make you not believe what you're reading. Or, he'll twist the meaning of it. God's... Grace is for all so you can keep on sinning. It's okay. But then we miss that verse that says if you keep doing it over and over, it becomes an unforgivable thing. Whew. Man, that one hit me like a dagger, more like a sledgehammer to the head. All right, that's not what today's about. I digress. So if he doesn't get you with your body or the worldly, now he can get you with worry. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I had a Christian tell me about three weeks ago that it's just I just worry about everything. That's what God has me do. God has me worry about everyone so I can care for them. You need to read your Bible, girl. It does not say anything about God gave you worry to love someone. Fear, doubt, hurt, rejection, depression. I could go on and on. Church hurt. Let's talk about that one. Let me get some good old faithful Christians to hurt you. Many of you have faced that, me too, because then you'll doubt your God. Let me just tell you about my life in college. I'm just going to speak for four years, four and a half. I was pretty good in high school. Then I went to college, and man, I'm going to try to be careful. I've told this in a testimony. There were women everywhere. There was alcohol everywhere. I didn't have any care about drugs because my uncle had died of a drug overdose, whatever was this bodily temptation and my parents weren't there to keep me from doing it and I had freedom and I failed then there was this worldly temptation that was happening at the same time regardless of how much you're partying and having fun over here make good grades keep your scholarship get the best GPA so you can get the best job so you can make the most money man I'm failing the number two. Oh, and then I went to philosophy 101 And they taught me about other things other than God. And I went, whoa, that's interesting. I need to have an open mind. That's what the professor told me. He wouldn't lead me wrong. He's opening my mind. And Satan got me with all three. And for the next 20, no, not 20, next 15, 13, 14, 15 years were total destruction. God was still there in the background. Jesus was still there. But I failed to all three of these. And if we think about it, we're all in that boat, right? Somewhere in there you identify. If you don't, praise Jesus, but be ready. See, Jesus gave us his blueprint, Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. So I'm going to address number one. By the way, Jesus didn't say, well, in Isaiah 59.3, the prophet is quoted as saying. He said, he paraphrased it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know exactly where it is. Just know something. Maybe the words, to follow Jesus, I have to deny myself. I have to give up my selfishness, my selfish wants and desires. What did I just do? I just threw out a scripture that will help me resist a physical temptation. Okay? Or maybe I think of a scripture that says, Jesus says, I'll store my treasures in heaven, not on earth. Jesus says, if I want to be the greatest in the kingdom, be a servant. Jesus said, "Love the least of these." If I want to inherit the kingdom of God, I've just attacked the world. Scripture says, "God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind." God's word says, "Perfect love cast out fear." I didn't tell you where any of those were quoted, listed. I didn't say them exactly right. I paraphrased them. You got to know them. You got to know something to combat the temptations. Satan knows scripture. You better be learning a few to attack him with so jesus he's baptized he's tempted he resisted the devil fleed and he's good right he's good right jesus just starts his ministry and life's good no the first place he goes is to his hometown and he's rejected by the people that know him uh it wasn't enough for you to be tempted by your body the world and your faith now we got to throw some loved ones in there to reject you Anybody been there? (laughs) Immediately, tempted and rejected by those that love him and should know him, should support him. His own hometown, when he preached to them, they said things like, this guy sounds incredible, but who is he? Isn't that just Joseph's son? See, I think when you make a big decision in your life, you make a change, you repent, you change something that's wrong, and you want to live your life for Jesus, there's going to be some people that you know and you may trust, and they don't want you to change. They're going to try to bring you back down because they don't get where you are. I remember when I made a decision to leave my career. I had a few months before I could leave it, and I made a decision to radically change. I wasn't going to be the guy that went out and out drank everybody at dinner and out cussed everybody, and out told dirty jokes, and et cetera, et cetera. And a customer came up to me and said, I want old Jason back. I was living that scripture. I decided to make a change, and I would have considered him a close friend. He didn't like it. What did Jesus do? And by the way, they tried to kill him, too. Did you miss that part of the story? They tried to throw him off a cliff. He went whoop, whoop, right through them, <laughs> and then he left them. He didn't stick around. So I hate to tell you this, guys, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, you may have to disclude some people from your life. Don't get me wrong. There's a whole discussion here about trying to bring them with you, but if they don't allow it and they're going to bring you down, you have to get away from it. How many of you have a family member and everything's going good? This is a great time to talk about it this week because you're going to hang out with them. There are people in my family that we've had to say no more. I'm not going to spend Christmas with them or Thanksgiving or birthdays because they will spend the entire time trying to draw me back down. Now, maybe I had a little patience and kindness with them the first, I don't know, in our case, dozen times. But at some point I had to realize this is kind of like, Jesus, i got to get out of here. I can't just stay here and fight this fight against them. They call themselves Christians too and they're telling me I'm making poor decisions by leaving my career or by trusting Jesus for healing. I'm talking about the big things they're attacking. Sometimes you got to get out of them. See, Jesus left, and he went somewhere else, and he made new friends. And He called those friends his disciples, people that would listen to him that he could invest in, not perfect people, very broken people they made mistakes. He didn't kick Peter out when Peter denied him. He brought him back and gave Peter the chance to redeem himself. But Peter, if Peter denied him and denied him and denied him and denied him and denied him, him, I can't imagine Jesus would have stuck around. He gave us this. Sometimes we got to get away from those friends and family and make new friends and new family. I had to do that when I left my career. And guess what? Then I went to work for a church. And when I left that church, the same thing happened. I lost all my friends again. But see, Jesus said some cool things, too, like when his mother and brothers came to see him and they couldn't break through the crowd to see him, they said, hey, send word to Jesus. His mother and brothers are out here waiting on him. And Jesus goes, wait a second, you're my brothers. You're my sister. Anybody who follows me and believes in me is my family. That's why we focus on unity in our family here. Because maybe you got to get away from some people in your life, and maybe you got to trust God is bringing you some people that will love you and surround you and care for you. Jesus did it. But Jason, don't you think God will put you in a place to help bring those people to Jesus? Yeah, I do. But I also know from Scripture that not all of them want it. Some of them want to stop your purpose, stop your destiny, stop your ministry. And Jesus said, get away from them. See, so we live with this perverted mentality. What's a famous term you will hear here in the South? Blood is thicker than water. And we let the ones closest to us bring us down. But Jesus didn't do that. And we say, i got to put up with my family because that's what Jesus would do. Bull crap. You need to read scripture. He didn't do that. They tried to kill him in his hometown. He got the heck away from there. So we had another piece to Satan's blueprint, rejection by those closest to you. Bodily temptation, worldly temptation tempt your faith. Now I'm going to have those that are closest to you reject you. But wait, there's more. We missed the last thing if we stop there. So I'm going to set this next one up with a question. I've already kind of asked it twice to throw it out there to see if it stung a little bit. As a follower and believer of Jesus, is it my responsibility to help everyone around me? Okay, we got somebody who's in tune where I'm going. Is it my responsibility for everyone around me to become a believer in Jesus? Is it my responsibility to help every person that was put into my path? Ooh, that one got a little tougher. Okay, I'm going to answer these questions with some answers that may rock some folks' theology from the life I came from of Christianity. The answer is no, 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 and no. <gasps> and Jesus said it, Luke 4:25 to 27. Certainly, there were many needy wit- widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. So set this up. You got three and a half years of famine. Three and a half years, many needy widows, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Elijah, one person. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one was healed was Naaman Assyrian. We're talking about two pretty powerful prophets. And for those of you who don't know the difference between Elijah and Elisha, because I'm just going to be honest, for like 30 years of my Christian life, I thought they were the same person, pronounced differently. Okay? So it's okay if you thought that too. It's two different people, Elijah and his protege, Elisha. Okay? Anybody remember what Elijah did? He went up against Jezebel. He was used by God to bring down fire. To wipe out the prophets of Baal when he was the only prophet left. Elijah said, I'm the only prophet left. Lord, what can I do? And God said, I'll show you. They're gone. Now Jezebel gets taken out. Okay? Powerful dude. Oh, Elijah shows us our one time in Scripture that sarcasm is biblical. I love this. You remember what Elijah did? Hey, where's your God? Is he out taking a leak? I love sarcasm, so I use this verse <laughs> to justify my sarcasm. I had to learn to tone it, tone it down a bit. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. He was present with Moses at the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. This is a powerful dude. And Jesus says, He was sent for one and three and a half years. Many needy widows, but God sent him for one. Okay? Elisha, this dude, he did a lot of cool things too, but let's just go with this one. He's so dang powerful that when he died and was in a grave, they threw a dead man's body in there. When it hit Elisha's bones, the, it says the dead man <laughs> revived and jumped to his feet. He didn't just wake up, oh, I'm not dead anymore. He revived and jumped to his feet. Oh, I just touched the bones of Elisha. Powerful dude. Many had leprosy, he only healed one. What's my point? If Satan can't get you by temptation of your body, the world, your faith, rejection, he'll try to wear you out in ministry, trying to do all these good things to miss the one great thing God has for you. And I am wearing that one every day. I want to do everything for everybody. I'm learning. If you think you are sent, To bring everyone around you to Jesus is a pressure you just can't handle. And you'll get discouraged. Think about this. If I told you when you go to Walmart today, when you leave here, you need to witness to everyone you see at Walmart. You go to Walmart and the first person you come up to goes, get the heck away from me. And you go home and you're like, see, I'm a terrible Christian. I can't even do it. God told me to do. That's a pressure you can't handle. You'll start to think you're not good enough. You haven't done enough. You missed God's purpose for your life. Oh, I helped one person, but what about those other hundred? And you fall into this new temptation that you're not good enough for the ministry God's given you. So the final piece, we're getting close to the end. The final piece of the blueprint of Satan is attacking your purpose, your ministry, your destiny, to make you think you're a failure. Body temptation, worldly temptation. Spiritual temptation to doubt, now a little rejection, now a little temptation to do too much so you look like a failure, or feel like a failure, when maybe you're doing exactly what God wanted you to do. Now, here's the problem. You can't go the opposite extreme and use this as a cop-out to do nothing, okay? Yeah, Jesus left the one for the 99. Some of us are given an evangelistic gift, for example, and you're going to evangelize to more people. We've got to all quit trying to be what everybody else is. Every member of the body has a different purpose. Maybe somebody's going to be a servant, and they're going to show up and put up tables, and they're going to do all these things behind the scenes, and then you've got this other person over here who's going to evangelize to 100 people at Walmart today. And neither of those can get tempted by looking at the other one and saying, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, or I didn't do enough, I've got to serve too, or I've got to go evangelize too. God gives us all different gifts. Wendy talked about it, so we make up the whole body. By the way, if I'm only supposed to help one person, that's two believers. If you're only supposed to help one person, two become four. If Those four become eight. Those eight become 16. But see, if I wake up thinking I'm supposed to help 900 people and I don't teach you how to do it too or motivate you to do it, then only those will get affected and the multiplication doesn't happen. If there's 40 people, do the multiplication. That's a huge number. So it looks small when you say you're supposed to help one person, but God's plan is big with it. And that's the temptation we got to get past. This week we had the opportunity to love on one young lady and her family. Thursday night. I would love to help 100 women that chose life. But God gave us one. So we're going to go, God, why didn't you give us more? No, you didn't. You showed up and you served her, and you loved on her, and you loved on her kids, and you gave her presents out the wazoo. You know, there were some prideful moments where I'm like, we got more presents than those other two churches. Yeah! Oh, that's pride. Stop that. Kind of find out it's just because one of the churches went to the wrong place. They hadn't showed it with their gifts yet. (laughs) Satan's the one turning churches into a numbers game, not Jesus. Yes, he would like everyone to be in heaven with him, by the way. That's scriptural. He wants everyone to be in heaven. But he also told us through instructions to his disciples, originally the 12, and then also next the 72. We forget about the 72 that were sent out. He said, dust your feet if people don't want to hear about me. See, not everyone you love on or witness to is going to receive Jesus. That's between them and the Holy Spirit. I said that earlier. Your job is to resist the temptations thrown at you and fulfill the purpose God has for you. You know, maybe Billy Graham was supposed to evangelize to millions and millions of people, and maybe Jason was supposed to help 12. I don't know. Or one. So if we do what Jesus says, we change our hearts like he commands. We use the blueprint he gave us on how to fight off the devil. We learn scripture. We take the opportunities presented to us. God will show you your purpose. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't know what my purpose is. Congratulations, you're in the same seat as most Christians. But maybe it's because we're failing to temptations. We didn't even know we're there and we're trying to look in places because this just doesn't seem enough. Or maybe God says, I want you to be a faithful servant before I trust you with more. Oh, that's a scripture. But here's my challenge to you today. Get in the Bible. Some of you are doing it. Some of you are not. If you're new with us, or if you've not started reading the Bible plan with us, I'm challenging you today to start now. Now. Today. Today. Why? Because Jesus' blueprint was scripture, 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 scripture. You can forget Satan's. You don't have to remember all those five steps if you remember scripture, 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 because scripture will teach you how to fight those, okay? If you think that you can't read the Bible or that you can't understand what you read in the Bible, I got a newsflash for you. You're in temptation number three. That God would love you so much, he would send his only son to die for you, but then he would make his words so complicated you couldn't possibly understand it. That is a lie from hell, straight from Satan. I believed it until 10 years ago. And then I went, holy crap, how am I going to learn all this stuff? But I had to start. I tried to make it easy. I tried to read complicated scriptures and give you simple encouragements out of it. If you haven't done it, start. Go to day one. Go to our app. It's so easy. Daily encouragements. You're going to have to scroll back a little bit because we're on like day 84. But here's my challenge to you. If you went and watched The Office or whatever your binging TV show is and you picked up in season seven last episode, you go search out 15 different TV services to find season one, episode one. All you got to do is scroll, scroll, scroll. You can keep up with it day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. If it takes you three days to get through day one, praise the Lord, you'll read the Bible in three years. Where else are you going to be in three years if you don't? If you want to get good and gung-ho, go ahead of us. I'm trying to do it in a year. I'm not saying what I'm saying is perfect. I'm saying it's meant to give you little encouragement when you're reading those boring and what is? what am I supposed to get out of numbers? It's Peyton's favorite book. Peyton's like, did you teach this and this and this in your daily encouragement? I was like, no, I was trying to keep it simple. He digs into numbers. (laughs) My point is, I don't want you sitting here three years from now stuck in the same place because you did nothing when Jesus gave you the blueprint. Take the pressure off. You don't have to do it at the same pace. Just do it. If it takes you ten days to get through day one, praise God, do it tells you at the beginning what the scriptures are for that day. If you need to read them for a day or two before you listen to it, praise the Lord. Satan's blueprint. Body temptation. Worldly temptation. Temptation to doubt, fear, worry, whatever. Not belief scripture. I'm going to call it that. Rejection. Temptation to do s- too much and you'll s- feel like a failure because you're not doing what somebody else around you is doing. Jesus. Scripture, 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 scripture. Okay. At a minimum, you've been given a few scriptures to combat all of Satan's blueprint. If you weren't listening, you fell asleep, you were zoned out, this will be posted tomorrow. and You get to go back and listen to it again and get them all. Jeff said maybe tomorrow. <laughs> so, guys, I'm not trying to tell you you're not good enough. Because you hadn't read or you hadn't dug in. I'm telling you, Jesus gave it to you. He loves you so much, he gave his life for you. Don't you think he's going to give you some instructions you can understand? And he showed you the YouTube video. It's just kind of written out in a love story. And Satan wants you to think it's too much for you. Because then he'll use scriptures against you. Sometimes Christians will use scriptures against you and twist them. Okay? Okay? When you leave here today, you know sim- Satan's blueprint. You know Jesus' blueprint. Which one's easier to remember? Thank you. But you got to do something, okay? Father, thank you that you love us so much you sent your son Jesus as we celebrate him over this next week. Father, help us to understand the blueprint of Satan's attacks so that we can combat his attacks with Scripture. Thank you that you gave us words that we can go back to over and over again. The most sold book in human history is still alive today. Help us to shake the dust off of it and to quit using some cop-out of a lie from the temptation of Satan that we don't understand it. If we don't understand it, help us to ask those around us because that's how we learn, and that's how I learned. And Father, help us to just simply come to you and say, Daddy, help me to understand what you want me to get out of this. That's all I do every day. Father, help me to understand what you want me to say today. And Father, I pray that every person in here will discover their purpose, whether it's big and huge or seems really small. It has an impact for your kingdom. So, Father, help us be a small church that has radical results in our community and our nation. Because we will stand for your word. And I will not allow Satan to lie to me or any of these people. So, Father, I bind up his lies in the name of Jesus. If people have heard them today, I bind them in the name of Jesus Doubt, worry, fear, all those nasty things. Rejection, depression, you leave in the name of Jesus. Anxiety, you leave in the name of Jesus. Because His Word promises us things. Father, help us to step into your promises by simply reading your Word. Thank you for giving it to us in Jesus' name. Amen.